Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am all right, thank you. Yes, settling into Vernon Square. Oh, yes, yes. I must come and do the ritual. Yeah, you really must. I need the ritual. Yeah, okay. I've been online buying gorgeous things to put on my desk. Oh, that's good. So I should get them early this week. So as soon once they're there, okay. So you can see all my things yeah. in place. Okay. I'll... Then you must come and do whatever this ritual is. Yeah, I'll work on it. I'll work on the ritual. Um, do you wear a special outfit? I think. Or? I think. Oh yeah. Or oh, I think you do. Um, <laughs> so Fantastic. We'll have to sort that. Out. I, I will. I will um, come up with some instructions. Okay, I'll tell reception to expect you in yeah. your special outfit. And special makeup. Ready. Yeah. Oh my god, and makeup. Mm. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It's important. This is going to be good. Yeah, it will be. Oh, wow. But when you haven't been ordering things for your desk, what have I you... mean, that has taken quite a while. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah, spend Yeah, because you have to get exactly that. the right thing. Yeah, yeah, and you have to well, compare. Well, what else have you been thinking about? Well... Aside from stationery, yeah, I have been thinking about the Catherine de Neuve Yves Saint Laurent auction. Ah, I'm just, I mean, because I sent you the link to the catalogue, didn't I? Yes, you did. And the catalogue is just so beautiful. I was just sucked in by every as- aspect of it, really. Well, I and was I think sucked it's lucky in. Lucky I wasn't in France because I kind <laughs> of would have just been there in the front, row, I would pressing have... my face against it all. I would have loved to have seen it in in person um what i got get sucked in by is this seems to be a trend is this color you know that yes. they they list them by color yes which yes i don't know where that trend started but it's it's really rather beautiful yeah there was a there was i i've maybe it's not even that long there was another auction not so long ago with someone's collection was it didier Grumbach or and um, Oh yeah. Ludo. Oh yeah. And they I think that's when I first saw the sort of colour. But maybe it's been there before and I just But didn't then know. his windows in the in the um Palais Royal are always super gorgeous and often colour mm. colour coordinated, aren't they? Yeah. It's like one of my favourite things in going to Paris is going and looking in the window. Yes, I haven't done that for a long time actually. I must Okay, we have to go to Paris just to do that. Yeah. Because it's just he has just the most beautiful things, mm. and I just love how he displays them. I find it really hypnotic. Mm. I just want to stand and stare and stare. But yes, the the catalogue for the Deneuve is just gorgeous. Mm. And I think at first I didn't even quite register it was colour coordinated. Or do I don't mean colour coordinated? Colour ordered by colour. Yeah. I was just kind of oh that's so beautiful and that and that and then it's like you suddenly think oh my goodness. I've just been through all of the off-whites, and I am now entering into the pink. Yes. And and then it all just washes over you, the gorgeousness. Mm. And it and it's very beautifully photographed. Yeah, it's that's very crisp. Cool. Mm. And it all looks brand new. It does. I mean, I wonder how often she wore each thing. I mean, it's probably some things more than others, but... Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there is quite. I'm. I'm just looking at the auction that's still online. Um, oh yes. For another three days, twenty-one hours and fifty-five minutes, um, <laughs> <laughs> and there is a lot of evening stuff. So I guess you wouldn't right. wear that. 
that often. No. But yeah, it does all look really new. And I just think it's... I just... I find auction houses really quite fascinating because I've had friends who work at them, but they still... I'm still much more used to kind of museum attitudes to dress. Mm. And I find it really fascinating... I mean, I find I find the dress auctions fascinating, of course, because I'm obsessed with dress, but also just kind of what it is that makes some things sold at auction and some things are called vintage. Do you know, what I mean? you know yeah. that there's a kind of a distinction? Mm. And although that's almost obvious... gone, pardon. Although that has almost gone, I think. Do you think? Mm. I don't know when I I saw I still remember maybe it wasn't my first auction but when I worked um at Kensington Palace I remember going to an auction at Kensington uh, at South Kensington I always mix up the auction houses um It's Christie's yeah. and and I and that was the, then it would was a lot of what what I would now maybe call historic clothes so yes. it was sort of there were 18th century things there as well and I do that so that was different there wasn't actually that much relatively recent so that would have been the early 90s or something so really right. quite a long time ago and I remember you just meant you just mentioned museum attitudes I remember I was shocked when someone said can I try this on and it was like a 1920s <laughs> <Yes>. wedding dress or something <laughs> and I just almost keeled over and yeah. and then that person also said and if I wear it can I then also sell it again and mm. I almost killed it. I know because it's so, it's like it's so kind of dinned into you. Yeah. Or it used to be that you never, never, never wear any historic dress. Yeah. That, yes, it is quite a shock. I can really remember that as well. And again, it was Christie's of just thinking, no, you cannot try it on. And then they're like, yes, you can. And you just think, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I I have never I've still haven't done, I've never done it I I think I just no couldn't. I haven't I couldn't mm. I would it, I just couldn't do it it would it no because to me it's something to study yeah it's it's a thing that's I don't know it's like it's a thing that's history if you see what I mean and I don't my attitude towards it like I completely you know respect people who do wear it that's fine but for me I just can't because it's it's someone else's it's something that has happened if you know what I mean mm. and it, I don't know but it is really interesting I mean I remember Alison you know my friend Alison yeah. who yeah she um worked at Christie's probably mid-90s and she it was when they were having their first kind of foray into selling slightly more well a lot more recent clothes at Christie's and they they called them street style sales because it was around the time of the V&A exhibition street oh. style which sold which not sold <laughs> that would have been funny um which had the first kind of subcultural dress that they sort of collected on a big scale and displayed on a big scale and they called it street style and it was things like Ozzy Clark and Bieber and that kind of era and it was a real kind of experiment and I don't think it continued for that many years but it, it was it was the first time they'd sold things which, you know, in Christie's realm was kind of contemporary, almost, mm. you know, just 20, 30 years plus old. And 
that was really quite strange because it was things that you could still, well, you still can now see in vintage places. And I think it's just really interesting the kind of the treatment that these garments get in different contexts. Yeah, that's and true. Mm. The way that you're asked to look at them, the way that they're taken care of, just it's really fascinating because it can be virtually the same garment. Yeah, I but have. But you read it differently. I have noticed in the past sometimes with people who come and do voluntary work that that it is hard sometimes to make them understand that it might look like something you get in a in a vintage or secondhand shop but but it's now in a museum and you do need to be yes it, you might in a, in a vintage shop you could just get it out from the rack and just put it on but that's you can't do that <laughs> and not the putting it on but even the way you have to hold it and you know putting on the glass exactly. and all that and that and I I totally understand that that must seem weird and I think also I think it's even weirder sometimes for people who give who give their own stuff and then they come oh, again of course. and then they 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 almost shouldn't really touch it anymore and and that must be so strange if it's been your, that your really own must mustn't it mm. now i can imagine that i mean i really see that with my students i've really seen a change over the time of me teaching in that attitude towards let's call them old clothes <laughs> because I, I mean, still, it's still kind of, ooh, I can't touch if it's something that's really recognizably old. So it's, I don't know, from the pre-World War One maybe. Or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. But even then, once they get over their initial, oh my goodness, this is so old, they will want to just hold it the way you would hold a piece of your own clothing. And I'm like, no, you have to step back. Mm. And I mean, I guess it's, I guess, I think it is good that there's more familiarity with clothes and with clothes from different decades and recognizing the different decades and everything else. But it is very strange for like you and I who see them as museum objects to, to see that. And I do find it still, you know, like I'll still, like my students, have, several of them have worked, Carrie Taylor, who auction house, who has, God, she has such amazing things. Yeah. And they'll say, you know, someone tried the Scaparelli on and someone tried the Patu on. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't mm. believe it. And they're like, no, I can't believe it. And I think it's it's so interesting because to us it's still shocking, but to the person trying it on it's just, of course I can. Yeah. I do. And, I remember also Carrie Taylor. She might have, it might have stored when she was at Sotheby's. I went, mm. I went to an auction once. I think I was trying to buy something or – but there was – there was one thing, I think it was an 18th century coat, um, so coat as in like jackets, um, that that went for much more money than it had been estimated. Like a man's coat? Yes, yes. Mm. Um, and it, it went for really a lot of money. And I, mm. I said to her afterwards, why, why did that go for so much? I don't understand. And maybe that was the one we wanted, but I don't think so. And she said, if, if people can wear it, it will go for more. And I, first of all, again, I thought, what, someone is going to wear this? And then I thought that, I'm, I'm, that might not be the case anymore. That was, again, a long, a long, long time ago. But mm. I, I do find that weird sometimes what, you know, if it's, if it's to do with a celebrity or a royal, like, I, I, you know, I expect it to go for a lot of money, even if it doesn't, yes. 
if it hasn't been put down for a lot in the in in the catalogue. But sometimes it seems quite random what what suddenly you know fetches a lot of money. Yeah, I mean there are definite trends, aren't there? I mean like there are trends in vintage and there are trends in what sells big at auction houses. But it's interesting when you think historically that would have been the attitude to clothing that you just wore adapted remade the clothes that were within your family continuously i guess yeah or you gave them to your maid yes or you gave them to your maid or i mean think of think of like the pieces of 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 of, you know like 18th century fabric that have got a a cushion shaped hole in them (laughs) where someone at some point thought that would make a lovely cushion Mm. um and now you kind of think oh my god you mustn't do that but it's 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 the kind of use value of a garment that for us it kind of ceases to be a use value and it becomes like a study value or a research value or a preservation of his our history or something doesn't it yeah and it's interesting i was going to ask you whether you have a cut off you know is it what makes it that um in a way you know it okay it's easy to say okay if it's from the 1910s but is and something from 2017 um you know it's not i guess it you it's not the date when it was made it's it's something else as well i was also thinking maybe i'm conflating too many things but a lot of the designers now archiving straight away yes yes and that's so interesting isn't it because i can so remember like jean-paul gautier in like the 80s saying i don't want my things to be put in a museum then i'm at museums are about you know life and and being worn and being kind of fascinated that that that's how he thought about it and clearly he's changed his mind because he's been involved with exhibitions Mm. of his own work and his work is collected but it is it is interesting because on the one hand I would say both of us are very much pro anything that's sustainable but then we're then I mean me more than you but like I'm simultaneously like I can't wear vintage because I just over identify with my clothes too much. And if someone else has worn them, it's like asking me to put their skin on. <laughs> I used to wear a lot of when it was still called second hand. Um, but of, that's again, isn't that interesting? Second hand. Mm, I used to, but that was partly also, uh, um, it was partly, you know, what it was. You got, mm. you got more interesting things. But it was also, and you know, my attitude then was different. That was before I studied history of dress. And I, mm. I bought, I think it was here weirdly, but that must have been in the 80s. I bought a riding coat that I used to wear. And recently, and I never even thought of checking, you know, whose it is. Yeah. And recently I thought, oh, I must actually check. I've still got it. Um, oh, wow. It's black and it's, yeah, it's got this sort of tattersall or whatever, however you pronounce it, check inside. And I think mm. it's a pool or, um, Whoa, yeah, but I hadn't, you know, buy. I had it for, I don't know, is it 30 years, 40 years? And I never even bothered to look in the pocket. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> That's so funny. Maybe I didn't realize, you know, when I bought it, I wouldn't have realized that there might be a label no, in there. No, but it's interesting that it's only recently occurred to you. Yeah, and so I, you know, now I think, oh my God, this is maybe, you know, it looks like it could even be 30s or something, but I don't know. Now I think, oh, I sh- you know, definitely shouldn't wear it anymore. But I had a different attitude then. And mm. 
I yeah I don't know I was I was wondering the people who buy the Catherine Deneuve items what well, are they going to wear them or um, it's probably a mix isn't it yeah Cause it's interesting I think it's because I don't know it's like because Tina Chow when you read about what Tina Chow had she seems to have had like the dream wardrobe of vintage or whatever you want to call it dress because she had you know fortune you on it all like the most beautiful things which would not have been in money terms as anything like as expensive or valued as they are now mm. and obviously she wore them and they were part of her personal style and the Catherine de Nerve I find I really like the way in the catalogue they put photographs of her wearing them and they'll say this is the one she wore when you know she went to such and such an Oscar ceremony or this one she wore when she met Alfred Hitchcock and it's really interesting because that's to do with its kind of memorabilia status and money value I guess because a garment doesn't record those events in any way other than the person's presence at them Mm. you know so it's really interesting that just the fact of a person wearing something in a particular place or in front of a particular person increases the interest in it and in its monetary value yeah i'm wondering whether it it does a sort of part of me thinks it's just good to have a pick but part of me i'm i'm just wondering is it is it just not part of provenance like you would write down Right, and um, maybe also press value that you get more yeah. publicity if you say things like that. And the images, you know, you know, you probably still get more people looking at an image of Catherine Deneuve in something rather than something on a mannequin, I yeah. suspect. But um, I do. So wonder... you don't think it would affect that people would think I definitely want the dress she wore, such and such a place. It it probably adds something, you know, and there must yeah. have. They must have decided, you know, some things are in the main auction, some things are in the online auction. Yes, and I don't, that's true. I don't think there are images of her in things in the online auction. I haven't, you know, clicked through all the different, mm. all the different things. There doesn't seem to be much extra information. So um, maybe... So there's kind of a hierarchy of the kind of bigger value and bigger publicity that was sold on the day do you think i think so probably and it is you know i I can see that it would make a difference seeing something just you know that's if so on it's beautiful mm-hmm. or and then against another one where you can see her wearing it yeah so i'm sort of contradicting myself now but i it, it makes a difference but i think it is also partly just just what you do in terms of a provenance mm. type thing you just write down everything you know about yes. something I guess um, but that's interesting isn't it as well in terms of thinking of how important it is say with a painting to have the provenance but would you with a like it say if someone buy someone's bought the Catherine de Nerve mm. and then they wear it and then they sell it on would you add in the person who bought yeah. it or would you still call it Catherine Deneuve's in uh, I think you would still call it Catherine Deneuve's I think I think it happened with some of the Diana dresses which... right yes because they would always be ha- um her dresses yeah. and not somebody yeah. else's and then not all of them would have you know quite a few now have been resold 
and not all of them would have been worn in between by anyone i think right. you know not everyone who bought one just also wore it or had their daughter wear it or something but i think you just you probably would yeah i guess you would have to say where you know that someone else had it for a while right but but yeah you probably would still sell it as diana's i suspect as diana's. i wonder whether she was the first you know who who sold her personal wardrobe um, because I know people, you know, people used to do it all the time, but there are, you know, the Lady Fox, for instance, who we talked yes. about before, in the in the auction catalogue, it says the property of a lady, and that's what it used uh, what it used to say, the property of a gentleman or the property of a lady, and I think people didn't want to have it known yes. that they were selling off their stuff, and you know, one of her one of her garments, a, a Lamba, and I think several, a Lamba and a Chanel, are now in Kyoto. And oh, really? and I think they bought it for the designer. They didn't buy it for Lady Fox. Uh -huh. And then, of, of course, Lady Fox isn't as well known as Catherine Deneuve or, or no, Diana, no. Diana, Princess of Wales. But I think, I think it's now. Oh, that's I guess another thing that has changed. It's okay to sell it and be open about it, and it's seen as a good well, yes, thing. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Just as just as it's okay now to be visibly wearing vintage clothes, yeah. whereas wearing second-hand clothes was not seen as was seen as you know problematic for much of the 20th century yeah for much of it's it. okay to sell it because there's status in that i mean i i'm sure there must be people who sell their wardrobes who don't have themselves named and also who having it having their names attached wouldn't necessarily garner any extra interest because mm. they're not public figure figures Hmm. No, because if you I have remember, a mixed sorry. sorry, if you have a mixed auction, then a lot of things don't have any attribution. Yes, it's mm. true. Mm. And then yeah. you have the the ones extra that are associated with well-known people. But is and, it? And just no, you go. <laughs> no, just the the amazing amount of um, money that they went for. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what the most expensive one was. Do you know? I've, no, I remember read. I think it was a 1977, like one of the ones that's sort of very floaty chiffon with some feathers at the top. Oh, okay. I think it was one of those. And I think that it was, I, oh, something I really liked, I think I read it in The Guardian, was that it said that it that her the smoking went for the most that a smoking had gone for at auction. I thought, wow, so there's tabs being kept by someone somewhere yes. on how much that particular thing has gone for, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. But it is just, you know, like when, when Judith Clark and I did the Madeleine Vionnet yeah. exhibition, Martin, who, Martin Karma, who owned the dresses, you know, he'd bought most of them in the 60s and 70s. I think many of them in the 70s. And they really hadn't been super expensive at all. Mm. And, you know, he'd lent them to his girlfriends to wear to parties and things. And we were like, oh, my God, you lent them to people to wear? And, and you know, even within just his lifetime, it had changed so differently how he'd viewed his own collection and the way that he treated his own collection and the kind of reverence he gave to the gums because obviously he appreciated the brilliance of her work and he wanted it because it was so incredible but at the same time 
it went from being something you just lend out and it's like fine to something that you have to you know pack in acid-free paper and have the archival boxes and ensure for however many thousands of pounds and that's I think really incredible too yeah I think it's I think with that in a way if you think about it in the 70s it would have been 50 years old that's for us that's like for us yeah. stuff from the 70s now um, yes I suppose we wouldn't necessarily wrap, well unless it was a Yves Saint Laurent yeah exactly it has it, it's not just a date it's also yeah who's it by and but it yeah like you said it, it seems to happen quicker but I, I think that also mirrors although I, I don't know that much about it but I, I think it mirrors the art world as well I think yes. things come on to I think it's called the secondary market um, much quicker and I don't know what. Yes, that's that's interesting thinking about the secondary market. Yeah, I want. I don't know what the most recent Catherine Deneuve item was in the sale, but that would have been no, I don't. interesting as well. But yeah. Well, I also find it really interesting when people wear their own clothes that they bought from whichever shop or designer or whatever, and they'll say, "It's vintage so and so." But it's theirs and been in their wardrobe because I don't think to myself, "Here's my vintage so and so." If it's something that I bought new, do you see what I mean? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Mm. No, because I I can't remember what it was I had on, and someone said to me, "Oh, who's that by?" And I said, and they said, "Oh, is it vintage?" And I said, "No, no, it's mine." And they looked at me like I was just bonkers, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's vintage because it, you know, it was like fifteen years old or something." And to me, it isn't because it's mine, yeah. and it's always been mine. But that, I suppose, it is technically vintage. But it, does it only become vintage if I give it to someone else or I sell it to someone else? Yeah, that's interesting. That's because yeah. to me, it's just my wardrobe of things, and I really look after my things. So I've got, you know things from a long time ago but mm. I find I find that really interesting like the words that are used and how different amounts of respectability and money value and kind of cool fa- factor are added just because of the word that you use as well as the actual intrinsic value and beauty of the thing itself mm. it's, it's um yeah I wonder you know when the whole thing first started in the 70s when people even or the very late 60s when people like Twiggy or you know other people talk about they had enough of the pop sort of aesthetic and they they sort of started to have smoky eyes and 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 go to the go to the um, places in the King's Road where you could buy 70s and, and earlier stuff and I guess at that point it wouldn't have been called vintage, but it. I think well, that that yeah. seems to have been the time when it was appreciated that someone. Yeah, I think that's when it's really appreciated. There's a really brilliant essay in um, Raphael Sam- Samuel's book Theatres of Memory, mm-hmm. where he talks about the sixties as like late sixties into the seventies as like the key moment for nostalgia, and nostalgia for the recent past and and how it was kind of looking back at your parents' generation almost. Yeah, true. And it's really beautiful how he talks about it and how this sort of need for nostalgia at that point. And I also, in a a connected thing, I watched an interview with John Waters the other day that was really interesting where he was saying about how when he was young, again, around the same time, like early 70s, late 60s, that you could buy, like, 
vintage for them or like secondhand clothes for them were 30s things or like stuff they could get from their parents' wardrobes. And so how there was so much 30s in 30s and 40s stuff in circulation then that it really impacted the kind of look of everything yeah. then and the fascination with that. I always and you know watching that. films from that period as well of like films being re- sort of re-shown in art cinemas as well. I always saw that that what what becomes fashionable in a way in terms of vintage or second hand has a lot to do with what what is just available. And I remember yes. in the 80s um all these Levi's, you know, used Levi's jeans yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And someone once said to me they were from prison where in America really? but I don't know whether that's true that would be fascinating I would like to know if that's but true. I know there were just wrecks everywhere yes and um I had some and I did yeah and it it was just I, I guess it must be a sort of chicken and egg situation but um yeah whatever you you can get in the vintage shop I guess mm. yeah it must it, well, that must have an effect it's a mix of things that are scarce have have one kind of value and then things that there's just a lot of it's like um what's that thing about cinema that idea of the persistence of vision there's oh, like a know. persistence of vision in clothes in fashion as well of just seeing a thing a lot you start to want it or, or your uh, attitude towards it changes interesting that is really interesting persistence well, this of was, vision because adrian was telling ellen adrian taught me about persistence of vision and cinema last week so okay. I'm just in a naive way. I may even be misrepresenting it, transferring it to fashion. That's so interesting because I always, I re, I still remember when I, when I suddenly twigged that skinny jeans were what you had to have, mm. and <laughs> and I I always I thought how did how did that happen, you know? And I must have just constantly seen people. I think it is that because mm. I can remember I can't remember which book it is, but there's a one of the books I, I read when I was researching the American look, an American book, and it talks about how, I mean, because decadism is so annoying anyway, where people say in the 20s they all mm. did this, and, um, but how the change from, like, short skirts to longer skirts at the end of the 20s, that it's so gradual, and that what designers did, and I mean, arguably still do, but more when it was so much more definitive each season was they would send a few kind of like outliers for this is what the coming trend is and then they'd gradually add more and more of that from one season to the next until that style dominates so like only the most kind of avant-garde women would buy the longer skirt or the shorter skirt or the whatever in the first round but then it would become more and more accepted the more it's there and if you think also then in magazines it's the same that, that that they'll put out the trend and it might look very different but then it becomes more and more you're more and more used to it mm, yeah I always saw with the late 20s they there are a lot of these handkerchief hems yes so you've, you've that's got kind a of few, a compromise yeah you've got a few things trailing already but the rest is still short. Yeah, because mm. that's why it's so annoying when people say, and then the hemline dropped yeah. when there was the Great Depression. You think, oh my word, have you ever looked at history? Mm. It is not that simple, my friend. <laughs> oh no. Nor is vintage you are an auction no. sales. No. So it's all complicated, it's all... Bitch. that's what I think. Yeah, I think we've unraveled it a bit, but 
I think we have, but I think we have more to consider. I think so too. So maybe that's what we should do now. Okay, okay, I'll go off and do that. Okay, me too. And I'll prepare the All ritual. Right. Ex- oh, excellent. I'm so excited about that. And All right, well, I'll, I'll talk to you soon then. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.